Hello, I'm Merrick Schneider. Welcome to this podcast of articles from the Wall Street Journal, a presentation of Ayers LA. You are listening to this recording, which is provided for the use of those who are blind or print impaired. Materials or items read on Ayers LA are the copyrighted property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. Today's first article is titled, Laundry Dispute Takes a New Spin, by Sharon Turlip. Then an article by Samantha Reddy, Marijuana Has Special Risks for Older People. Then Susan Pinker has an article, Exercise Can Be the Best Antidepressant. We'll follow that up with an article by Alan Woodward, MIT Scientist Twist Apart Oreos, in search for perfect method. And then Faye Vincent wrote, Honesty is an antidote to dismay. All these articles are from recent editions of the Wall Street Journal. So let's begin with today's first article, Laundry Dispute Takes a New Spin. Is it better to wash your clothes with cold or warm water? The maker of Tide detergent has thrown its marketing team behind Team Cold. Procter & Gamble argues that a chilly wash cycle reduces the impact of a costly and energy-guzzling domestic chore and has enlisted rapper Vanilla Ice, actor-musician Ice-T, pro wrestler Stone Cold Steve Austin, and other celebrities to promote the concept. Some laundry experts say that's just spin. They contend cold water doesn't wash clothes as well, and the energy it takes to dry to compensate diminishes the environmental benefits. Patrick Richardson is among the skeptics. The host of The Laundry Guy on Discovery Plus says that using less detergent, washing less frequently, and moving to a shorter, warm cycle are better ways to save energy. Some 20 people a day write to him for laundry advice, he says, including at least a few asking about water temperature. Many don't buy his argument for warm water washing. I get people who tell me, I'm just going to use cold water, and they'll tell me in a defiant way, he says. I'm like, go ahead. P&G has sold a line of Tide designed for washing in cold water for almost two decades and still sells that product called Tide Plus Cold Water Clean. The latest campaign pitches the overall brand as being effective in cold weather. The company says it has reformulated Tide over the years to be more effective. The company says that while hot water cleans more effectively than cold water when all else is equal, Tide's products are strong enough to render warmer cycles unnecessary. If we set the water on cold, how strong do we need our product to be to to be sure we don't need more temperature, says Todd Klein, a technical expert in P&G's fabric care business. We don't think you need to use warm or hot. He says the company has found clothes get just as clean in cold cycles in both controlled lab tests and in consumer tests. Convincing the public is another matter. Habits are hard to change, Mr. Klein says. People just hit the button to normal, 
and normal defaults to warm. P&G says that cleaning clothes in cold water could save $150 a year on a household's energy bill, or somewhat less with the high-efficiency washing machines used in about 70% of United States households. Tide is among the priciest of mainstream detergents. The price per load can be double that of some discount brands, according to a search of online prices. Mary Gagliardi, an in-house scientist and cleaning expert for Clorox Company, nicknamed Dr. Laundry, says three kinds of energy go into cleaning clothes. Chemical energy from detergent, mechanical energy from the physical agitation of the washer, and thermal energy determined by the water temperature. If you cut the temperature, she says, you need to use either more chemicals or churn clothes more. She says warmer water is generally the best way to ensure clean clothes, especially in colder climates. Ms. Gagliardi says manufacturers are able to test garment washing in water as warm as 85 degrees Fahrenheit and define it as a cold water wash according to standards set by standards organization ASTM International. A warm cycle is around 100 degrees, while hot is 122 degrees, she says. If you are in Minnesota right now and your cold water temperature is 45 degrees, some people are washing in temperatures barely above freezing, she says. Washing machines generally warm water to around 60 degrees for the cold cycle, which is the temperature P&G says it uses for its technical testing. Some machines have a setting called tap cold, which doesn't heat the water at all. Retiree Beth Wilson of Centerville, Utah, says she sticks with warm water, uses whatever detergent is on sale, and mingles whites and colors in a single load. It's easy, and I think my clothes turn out pretty clean. Sharon Blum, who does freelance writing, editing, and graphic design and lives in Baltimore, has long been a cold water loyalist and uses a plant-based detergent. Ms. Bung, who uses the gender-neutral honorific, sometimes adds other products to get out tough stains or scents. Ultimately, I feel like there's no need to use a project with special formulations and extra compounds for every ordinary load, they say. Feels to me like the equivalent of taking a multivitamin when you're only deficient in one. Laundry sucks energy and creates waste on several fronts, says Greg Kiolgen, director of University of Michigan's Center for Sustainable Systems. Bulky detergent bottles wind up in landfills and are cumbersome to ship. Doing the laundry requires a lot of water. Harsh chemicals from detergents can end up in wastewater. But heating the water is the biggest culprit, he says, drawing slightly more energy on average than an entire dryer cycle. Water heating needs comprise 13.3% of an average household's energy use, and roughly one quarter of that, or around 3%, is used to wash clothes, according to Mr. Kologian. That's roughly the same amount of energy expended on drying clothes. He and his wife generally wash clothes in cold water using a discount brand that isn't tailored to cold water. 
A load just finished, he says. The clothes are clean. And now, Sumath Reddy, marijuana has special risks for older people. As most seniors use cannabis, doctors are calling attention to risks that can hit older people more than younger ones. Use of marijuana and CBD products has grown more common among middle-aged and older adults as they become legal in more states and more widely available in easy-to-take forms such as edibles. Seniors who consume them mostly say they do so to help manage pain, anxiety, or sleep issues. Cannabis use can create particular risks for older people. It can interfere with other medications, which is tricky for seniors because they are often on multiple prescription drugs. Marijuana can also raise the risks of injuries, falls, anxiety, and confusion. The situation is further complicated because many seniors may be wary of telling their doctors they use it. In California, emergency room visits for problems related to cannabis use in adults ages 65 and older increased from a rate of 20.7 per 100,000 visits in 2005 to 395 per 100,000 in 2019, according to a January study from doctors at the University of California, San Diego. Although pot products pose some health risks, the reason that seniors are taking them is largely because they are trying to manage other health problems. Among a group of nearly 600 adults over age 65, 15% reported using cannabis within the past three years, according to a 2020 study in the Journal of the American Geriatric Society. Nearly 80% of those seniors say they took cannabis for medical reasons with pain, sleep, and anxiety, the top reasons cited. Most said their family members knew they used it, but only 40% reported telling their health care providers. They are seeking a means of treating these troublesome conditions for which the medical therapies we have are not terrific or difficult to access, says Allison Moore, professor and chief of geriatrics, gerontology, and palliative care at the University of California, San Diego, and senior author of this study. THC is the main psychoactive component of marijuana and what causes the high. CBD is another component of the cannabis plant and doesn't produce the high that THC does. Many products contain both THC and CBD. When you eat something containing cannabis, THC and particular CBD interact with the enzyme system in the liver that is responsible for metabolizing drugs. This can change the level of drug in your system, making it more or less potent, says Stacy Gruber, director of the Marijuana Investigations for Neuroscientific Discovery Program at McLean Hospital in Belmont, Massachusetts. Marijuana also affects your cognitive abilities, at least in the short term. Physiological and brain changes in aging adults may make them more vulnerable to the negative effects of THC, says Ziva Kupa, director of the UCLA Center for Cannabis and Cannabidiols. However, some research has suggested 
that when older mice are administered THC, their cognitive outcomes slightly improve, says Dr. Cooper. The effects of marijuana can linger in an older body for longer. As we get older, our metabolism slows. Popular products such as edibles need to be digested. It can take eight hours or longer for the effects of THC to wear off and even more for seniors, doctors and researchers say. Slower metabolism can result in a slightly greater impact of the products, says Dr. Gruber. Higher impact can lead to a greater risk of adverse effects associated with THC, such as dizziness, which can affect balance, and an increased heart rate or even delirium. Knowing the dose of THC in products is important. Pot products aren't well-regulated, so it can be hard to verify that what's on the label is accurate. Buying from a licensed dispensary helps ensure the products have been through quality manufacturing practices and tested for purity and potency. If your parent is using marijuana or CBD products, encourage them to talk with their doctor to make sure they understand how it may affect other medications they are taking and possible risks. Many adult children buy products for their parents without understanding that the dose and type have different effects, says Benjamin Hahn, a geriatrician at UC San Diego. If older adults are considering trying cannabis for medical reasons, it is important for them to treat it like any other medication that may have side effects or interact with other medications, says Dr. Hahn. Ask your parents why they are taking marijuana to see if there are health issues that may be better addressed with other treatments, recommends Dr. Moore. And advise parents to start low and go slow, or take a low dose at first and increase as needed, says Tori R. Spindle, an assistant professor at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and cannabis researcher. Be aware of potential cognitive impairment and motor skills and warn parents not to drive while impaired. Susan Pinker has the article, Exercise Can Be the Best Antidepressant. One of the highlights of my pandemic working week was the Zoom workout I did with a dozen fellow swimmers once we lost access to our pool. Most aspects of my life were upended, but the 7.45 a.m. home exercise session was a constant. A warm-up, two sets of resistance exercises designed by our loyal coach, then stretching and gabbing. None of us wanted to give up this routine when restriction eased, and we're still at it. I feel more upbeat and quicker on the uptake on days when I do planks and squats. Now a new paper evaluating studies of the impact of exercise on mood shows that physical activity of any kind is just as effective as antidepressants at reducing feelings of anxiety and depression, and sometimes more effective. Dr. Ben Singh, a research fellow at the University of South Australia, was the lead author of the study, which appeared in February in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. He and 12 other scientists combed the research literature for all randomly controlled studies published before 2022 that involved adding exercise 
to a person's usual care to see how physical activity might relieve psychological distress. The group found 97 reviews, which together comprised 1,039 distinct randomly controlled trials and over 128,000 participants, many of whom had symptoms of depression. Usual care referred to whatever the person was already doing to stabilize their moods, whether it was taking antidepressants, seeing a psychologist, doing both, or doing nothing at all. We didn't want them to replace their treatment with exercise, but to add exercise into their day, said Dr. Singh. Statistical crunching revealed that as little as 12 weeks of exercise can mitigate depression while often achieving faster results than antidepressants. Any type of movement is effective. A bike ride, yoga, or Pilates, said Dr. Singh. He mentioned that resistance training, like my Zoom workout, was best for reducing symptoms of depression while yoga and Pilates were best at tamping down anxiety. The higher the intensity, the better, Dr. Singh said. But just a walk around your neighborhood is effective too. Exercise is free, rarely induces side effects, and can muffle existing feelings of anxiety and depression or even prevent their occurrence in the first place, according to a 2018 meta-analysis. Still, it's very rare that doctors say, I need you to exercise three times a week for at least 30 minutes at a brisk walking pace, said Dr. Singh. A large Canadian study of 13,000 primary care physicians showed that while 70% mentioned exercise to their patients, barely 16% wrote a prescription recommending it. Exercise is considered complementary, like acupuncture, said Dr. Singh, but there's no evidence that acupuncture has any effect, yet there's lots of evidence for exercise. Exercise isn't a cure-all, and the study does not establish how long the reprieve from depression and anxiety lasts. The authors write that the effectiveness of physical activity diminished with longer-duration interventions, most likely because over time the participants exercise less often or stopped altogether. And there's the rub. Someone is, who is so depressed they can't get out of bed might not be motivated to walk around a block, much less to do jumping jacks and burpees. That could be one reason why the uplifting effects of exercise are weaker for more serious forms of depression. Even if you do get started, if you're feeling ill, making exercise a habit is so much harder than taking a pill. Nalene Woodward, MIT scientists twist apart Oreos in search for perfect method. It's safe to say many people eat Oreos the same way. They twist them apart, then consume the cookie as two separate cream-covered wafers. Yet more than a century after the Oreo's inception, many connoisseurs haven't solved a frustrating problem. How to twist it so both wafers end up with filling on them. Michelle Dagnan, vice president of Oreo in the United States, said there is no secret method. That, it seems, made it a worthy challenge for some scientists at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology.
I've always been annoyed that I have to twist them apart and then push cream from one side onto the other, said Crystal Owens, a PhD candidate in MIT's mechanical engineering department. She led a group of researchers on a quest to figure out if there was a trick to getting the cream to glom onto both halves. Usually, Miss Owens studies materials that could be used as ink for 3D printing, squishing them between two counter-rotating metal plates in a device known as a rheometer to study how the fluids deform and respond to torsion or twisting forces. One day during the COVID-19 lockdown, she said, we just kind of realized that this is a perfect analogy for what happens when you try to twist open an Oreo. So she and her colleagues went set out to discover if there was a solution to the cookie conundrum. In a recent study, they glued Oreos of various flavors at the renometer, then twisted them at different speeds. Materials with similar mechanical properties to Oreo cream, toothpaste, yogurt, ice cream, split down the middle when subjected to enough torsion, Ms. Owens said. After putting more than 1,000 Oreos to the test, the researchers discovered that the fickle filling stuck to just one way for about 80% of the time, and the speed of the twisting didn't matter. Even at the renometer's slowest twisting speed, which took about five minutes to separate the halves, the cream stayed on one side. At the maximum speed, about 100 times faster than a person can twist, the cream flew off both halves, Miss Owen said. We also tested the cookies by hand, twisting, peeling, pressing, sliding, and doing other basic motions to get an Oreo apart, she said. There was no combination of anything that we could do by hand or in the machine that changed anything in our results. That suggests the cream is stronger than it is sticky, so it is more likely to stay together than adhere to the wafer. She and her colleagues published their findings last April in the peer-reviewed journal Physics of Fluids. In their paper, they they shared suggestions on how Oreo, which is owned by one of the world's largest snack companies, Mandalay's International, could tweak production to address the issue. One idea was to flip the wafers so that the more textured outside surface, which contains the word Oreo, would face inward, said Max Fan, an undergraduate in MIT's Department of Mechanical Engineering and co-author of the study. Another was to attach both wafers simultaneously to a blob of cream. Mrs. Owens and her colleagues think that the wafer to which the filling is applied first has a tighter bond to the cream. The company declined to share specifics on the Oreo manufacturing process, but Ms. Deegan said that Oreo loved this data-informed creativity. Thomas Schatholder, a physicist at the Netherlands University of Groningen, who wasn't involved in the study, had his university students try to replicate the MIT team's results with Dutch Oreos. They twisted by hand, which may have affected the outcome, he said. To my surprise, many students observed a pretty even splitting of the filling, Dr. Schlatholter said. 
European Oreos seem to be different. He thinks the difference is in the cream formula. MIT Ms. Owens said she suspects the manufacturing process is different in Europe, not the recipe. Oreos Ms. Dingen had no explanation for the differing results. Oreos are sold in more than 100 countries, and social media is filled with opinions about how best to eat them. One YouTube video with more than 13 million views called You're Eating Oreos Wrong shows a woman skewering the cream with a fork and drowning it in milk. Others involve using straws as pipettes to get the cream soggy. Ms. Owens says she is looking to apply the same study concept to other snack foods, such as macaroons, ice cream sandwiches, and nutter butter cookies. The Oreo research, she said, was a fun, easy way to make her regular physics and engineering work more accessible to the general public. She and Mr. Fan developed a simpler renometer to test the cookies, which they dubbed an Oreo-meter, that people can 3D print at home. It uses rubber bands and pennies to twist apart the cookie. For me, this all started as a personal question, Ms. Owen said, but I guess everyone else was also thinking like, oh, let's understand my Oreos better. And Honesty is an Antidote to Dismay by Faye Vincent. There are baseball sayings that are appropriate for tough times. Think of, say it ain't so, Joe, the plaintiff plea a little boy supposedly made to shoeless Joe Jackson after the Black Sox gambling scandal in 1919, or the bayful lament from manager Casey Stengel about the his inept Mets in the 1960s. Can anyone here play this game? A similar dismay characterizes the failing confidence among Americans today as they witness inflation, a failing bank system, the rise of international menaces, and corruption in the upper levels of government. I wonder if our problems now are novel and truly worrisome or the same old story being replayed. History proves that life goes on, but this time seems different. Today we lack the firm leadership needed to address uncertainty. The Biden-Trump duo has proved unreliable. But maybe there's an intervening surprise coming. When Franklin D. Roosevelt died in 1945, did anyone have high confidence in Harry S. Truman? The do es machinata is sometimes truly a deuce. National well-being is a consensual state. We want to be assured we are doing the correct things. The public decides in millions of ways whether it will accept or flout the rules established by the political process. The nation works only with and by consent of the governed. Yet when our leaders lie and cheat, we begin to question the system and ask whether we are fools. There has been increasing doubt about the fundamental honesty of our government system. When leaders lie and call it truthful hyperbole, a term Donald Trump uses in The Art of the Deal, the rest of us ask whether we are free to follow that example. President Biden told us in July that the United States economy had 
zero inflation when, for a single month, declining fuel prices offset increases in everything else. We need to be told the plain truth. American expectations have become habituated to such dishonesty. But history reminds us that there are always surprises that change the trajectory of the nation. In 1973-4, the United States witnessed the resignations of Vice President Spiro Agnew and President Richard Nixon and the vice presidential appointment of Gerald Ford, then of Nelson Rockefeller, after Ford's accession to the presidency. Who could have believed such a total transfer of executive branch power could happen without an election? Hope is the residue of faith. The sad laments to Shoeless Joe and by Casey Stengel are cries of hope at one form of dismay or another. Those of us with faith must accept the realities of disappointment. Baseball is a game of failure, but also hope. So is life. We are desperate for someone to urge us to keep the faith, even while there seem few left who can manage our government. And we can still cry out to our Joe. Say it ain't so, Joe. We know the answer we want. That brings us to the end of today's articles. I'm Merrick Schneider, and I'll be back soon with more articles. Thank you for listening.